Hello, I'm Alan Higgins, and you are listening to the Design Talk podcast. The following recording is a cross-pod release with The Blind Spot, a podcast created by Tina Lowe, Accessibility Officer at University College Dublin, Ireland. This episode was recorded on the 18th of October 2021. Welcome to The Blind Spot. I'm your host, Tina Lowe. This podcast looks to show everyone about making Ireland accessible for all. Today's episode, we are going to chat with Mary Staunton and Christopher Heavey. You're very welcome. Oh, thanks very much. Thanks, Delighted to be here. It's great to see you both. We're going to talk today about sensory gardens, everything to do with gardening, access to sensory places, trails, the benefits of nature. So if you don't mind, before we start, could you tell me a bit about yourselves? All right. Well, that'll take about an hour. So <laughs> I started off in what was called in Forest Lunish many, many years ago as a, uh, a GO, worked my way up the system and uh, have ended up being a lecturer in the uh, Botanic Gardens in Glasnevin and Horticulture. So uh, I'm now working with the organisation that came after on Forest Lunish when it and ACOT joined together. So I work with Chagask now. Apart from that, I spent a little bit of time in here in UCD uh, four years doing exams, basically, and learning <laughs> a little bit in between, yes. and uh, successfully went out the other end of it at some point along the way, around 2000 or thereabouts. So, um, and before that, I'd gone to the Botanic Gardens for three years. So everything I've done in life since I left school really has been about horticulture and plants and hugging trees and all of those lovely things that you love, Tina. Yeah, exactly. Very good. <laughs> and Mary. I suppose I came a completely different route to where I am now in horticulture. I was in the fashion business for 25, six years and then decided I'd go back and do something that I should have done in the beginning, which was horticulture and went and did a degree in the Botanic Gardens, which was amazing. And Mary, did you always have that interest in horticulture growing up? Yeah, always. So I was the one I asked for pocket money, extra pocket money one time. My mother gave me the loan of the lawnmower to go and cut people's grass for a bit of extra pocket money. So I, I was gardening way, way before I could do anything else. So right. And both my grandparents were keen gardeners. So right. And in those days, the gardens were long. So you, you grew your own vegetables. You know, it was, there were little small mm. holdings, really. Not like mm. now where they're so mm. tiny. Mm. Very good. Yeah. So today I want to talk to you both about all your knowledge and love and passion for gardening and specifically in relation to sensory gardens. So I'm going to ask you, Christopher, first, if you don't mind, to explain to the listeners, what is a sensory garden? All right, give me the hard question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, sensory gardens are really gardens that allow for people to use not just the visual sense, but all other senses as well. So you're using touch and smell and all of these things to be able to connect with nature. And there are some fantastic designed gardens around the world that connect us with nature in that way. And the Botanic Gardens itself has one. It's designed by Joan Rogers many, many years ago and implemented there by the OPW. So it's an ideal sort of a space to be able to see how a sensory garden could work, how a sensory garden could operate. Um, And it involves really, you know, having plants that look different yes for those who aren't visually impaired for but for those who are you can smell plants you can touch plants there's plants with you know 
fuzzy sort of leaves. There's plants with prickly leaves. There's nothing but big thorns now, just in case. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's mm. that sort of a, an experience. And the other thing, I suppose, nowadays, really, from a sensory garden point of view, is to actually have plants that aren't just growing on the ground, but there's a little bit of height there as well. So people who aren't as mobile as, you know, a sensory garden in the past would have been more to do with what I've just described, really, smells and, and touch and these sorts of things. But maybe now you need a little bit of height and some raised beds and, you know, so... That sort of variation. All of gardening really brought together in one patch, but a good range and a good mix of plants there too, to give you the, right. the sensory element. And all encompassing, isn't that right? You know, because yep. it's not just people who are blind, maybe people who are deaf. You know, it, there's lots of different elements that should be included in a sensory well, garden. I think a sensory for gar- everybody. Yeah, I for think for a sensory everybody. garden should impe- in- include people that are getting on a little bit like myself and uh, can't, <laughs> can't, bend, can't bend as far as they used to in the uh, past. Or people who have no impairment um, that, that can be described in any way. That day too, I mean, you don't want to make it exclusive either. Yeah. Right. Or so or you want you it to be a, a place for mixing. Yeah. yeah, or that you could um, go for just to be in a quiet place, mm. to, for a mm. moment just to get away from the madness. That, mm. I mean, yeah. I always think if COVID taught us anything, it taught us to be in a place and enjoy the space and the yeah. quietness and yeah. just listen to the things that we didn't hear before. Yeah, exactly. We didn't hear things because yeah. there was yeah. air traffic, buses, yeah. mm. cars, all the that sort of thing. Construction. Right? Construction. <laughs> and now we actually are tuned Very in to, he- to hearing in, things. In the beginning of COVID, the first thing that most people noticed was mm. the bird song. Yeah. And you wouldn't have... It was a revelation. Yeah, it was like suddenly, <laughs> my God, I can hear the birds. Yeah. The birds yeah. sing, imagine yeah, yeah. that. Incredible. <laughs> and the different, yeah. you know, yeah. the different things and the different yeah. calls. Yeah. I mean, some birds yeah. actually imitate mobile phones. That's right. Yeah. Who knew, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just yeah. incredible. That's you know, amazing, incredible. actually, yeah. So, Mary, can I ask you, I know Christopher works in lecturing mm. in Chagas, and yeah. can you uh, explain to me what you work in, what areas do you work in? I know that one of the roles you've had in the last few years has been working in the Larkin Centre so could you talk to us about that? That was like a baptism of fire I um, so I came out of college I uh, wrote for a while for the independent newspaper The Weekender on all things gardening and I then was asked would I be interested in a teaching job now I'd always kind of thought oh yeah that'd be quite nice but on day one I got vertigo so day one I woke up and I had vertigo never experienced vertigo before so it was obviously uh, fear manifesting yeah, yeah, itself, yeah. Um, arrived in and I was teaching a bunch of lads from various different backgrounds, but none of them fared particularly well in school, right. which meant they weren't particularly interested in being in the program that I was teaching. But we nurtured a love of gardening with them and I managed to get through my first day and they managed to get th- through their first day with me. Mm. And I taught there for about five years and I met some of the most wonderful people and we did a great number of schemes around the area. You know, we, we mm. created gardens and a lot of them then went on to Christopher in the Botanic Gardens to do a degree program. So it kind of took up the slack. But one thing I do remember, Tina, I just want to get this point across because yep. this is probably important in terms of nurturing kids. Yep. The one element that was missing in their lives when it came to being in school and studying and doing their homework was mammy wasn't there. Mammy mm. wasn't there. Mm to help them along, to yep. make sure they did yep. it. Yep. And I think, and they fell between two stools and then yep. they were picked up again. And, you know, nature yep. is a wonderful thing for, mm. for bringing people back in, mm. bringing people back in. So it was a very rewarding job. It was, yeah. I, I very think, challenging, yeah. but very rewarding. I think I got as much out of it as they got out of it, yeah. to be honest. And I, then I, they yeah. went on to 
progressed yeah. to yeah. study with Christopher. Yeah, and exactly. And, and I met a student of mine there um, up in Tully's Nurseries. He's working there wow. now. That's fantastic. Um, you know, so yeah. it, it, it yeah. was brilliant to see. So, brilliant. It's, so it's not only about enjoying quiet spaces, but it's also opportunities to... To really grow, uh, grow Pardon and the pun, and you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we used to run a level four course out in Concili as well, and I it would have been yeah. very yeah. similar to Mary did it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very yeah. similar to uh, the course Mary was running, and I have to say it was the most rewarding time yeah. Uh, yeah. during my work or yeah. during my career because it was people that came into that mm. that came in not always now, but uh, you know from from somewhere less comfortable but a lot of them would have come in from places that were far less comfortable and like mary said it brought them back into a homely friendly yeah. mm. wonderful sort of a space where they were able to express themselves yeah. in, a, in a way that was very positive positive. and a few of them have gone on in life one of them ended up in trinity with a phd wow. teaching botany yeah. so wow. you know they that's they, some achievements yeah yeah, yeah they, they get around yeah what kind of plants say particularly are good in sensory gardens as well as we'd say the layout and for me the most important thing is sound I really kind of I love the sound of uh, trees rustling you know the leaves um disguising the fact that maybe there's traffic and all sorts of things happening outside and they do filter it may be in just in your mind but they do filter the noise mm. and it's important that when you go into a space where you want to just sit down and relax and just be alone maybe that other noises and voices and everything are blocked out, you know, filtered in some way. So I do okay. think trees make it or do that beautifully. And I think bamboo in particular does make that beautiful sound. So it's kind of sound of the yeah. wind. And water, yeah. Tina, is water. so important. Yeah. Water is yeah. hugely Water's, important yeah. in a sensory garden for, for that, again, for that noise just to take you away and transport you maybe into a, a safer little space mm. and a nicer place to be just for five minutes if yeah. that's all you've got. Yeah. There's lots of plants, and I suppose if you just if you look at it in different sections, I, I don't think there's anything that you could be should be confining about a sensory gardens. And I also think that the things that are really obvious, the stackies and these sorts of plants that are hairy and so on, I mean they're wonderful and they're great and and the scented ones and so on. But just a space, as Mary said there, actually just mm-hmm. a space that is regardless of if you if you have your eyes closed and you stand in certain spaces mm-hmm. and you stand in other spaces. The atmosphere in the two places can be completely different. And a woodland, for instance, woodland space. We used to have a, an acre of woodland up in Concili that had been in the research centre there. It was architectural. There was absolutely nothing natural about it at all except the plants and the grass. But it had these very architectural elements. So the trees were planted at certain spacings. It was a trial. And after about five or six years, the trial was finished and this space was left and continues to be there I, th- I still think today mm. but when you stood in that it was an absolutely magnificent space it had nothing that was smelly it had mm. nothing that just, was yeah. hairy it had nothing that was you know comforting in that way yeah. but just the space itself because it gave you enclosure it, and, mm. and you felt yeah. it you yeah. connected like with a that. canopy you know, that's that, that sense yeah. that sensory yeah. perception yeah. of what was around you was there regardless of yeah. of the quality of the plants necessarily yeah. that were in it yeah. But but certainly in terms of plants and things like that, big leafed, you know, yeah. plants, yeah. scented yeah. plants, Daphne Warm. Blue and Jacqueline Postale. Students have nicknamed me Daphne nowadays because I, I <laughs> talk about this plant so much. But uh, Daphne nice. Blue and Jacqueline Postale, the scent of that from yeah. Christmas Day, give or take, for three months yeah. after that, right into yeah. March, yeah. is absolutely magnificent. Yeah. You know, and I think things that can transport you back into maybe a, a happier time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always remember, I love the smell of 
freshly cut grass. Mm. And I, I do love the smell of leaves. At this time of the year, autumn leaves, there's a mm. sweetness. Mm. There's a sweetness about it. Yeah. And it can transport you back, you know, yeah. um, and you remember things from childhood. And that's important. That, yeah. That's just magical, isn't it? You know? Yeah. I yeah. go into gardens sometimes and I smell Mrs. Naismith's. Mrs. Naismith's garden. Not Mrs. Naismith, <laughs> no, but Mrs. Naismith's <laughs> garden. <laughs> Right. But, uh, but uh, um, my mother used to work in a, in a house and right. uh, the, garden, oh, yeah. the garden okay. was three acres. It was absolutely right. beautiful because it used to be owned by Drummond's, the seed merchants, many, right. many years ago. So okay. it was built in the 1920s or 30s. Yeah. But just going into that garden, you got this scent, you knew it. You so knew, today, you knew where you are. today yeah. if I smell certain plants, I say Naismith's because yeah. I yeah. know that, yeah. uh, that it's, it's they were there. Yeah, yeah. of that garden yeah. from my childhood. Yeah. That's lovely. It's amazing. Yeah. So in UCD, we're what we've been doing for the past two years, and we actually very happily, Christopher invited us out to the Botanic Gardens. Some of the people who work in UCD had the pleasure of going out to see some of the works on Sensory Garden. And what we decided to do, and it was absolutely nothing to do with COVID, it just happened that we decided to do a sensory trail in UCD using the natural environment that we have with the woodlands, the plants, the water, the lakes, the layout of the campus. So to do it, we actually invited Mary in some time ago. It's probably mm. over maybe two years probably nearly. Yeah, it is, yeah. And definitely. we showed her all the areas that we were looking at to do. And Mary talked us through what you could change possibly or add to. Or So the whole idea is that it's we're, we're going to try and join up the trail from starting at the we'll say the library building and go all around the campus and pick areas that are particularly good for, we'll say they have the water sound, the wind, the trees. Mm. And we have one thing that we really like and I'm going to just talk to you now. I'm going to ask you a few questions in this because I'm fascinated by this, but this is a wild meadow area that Mm. we're going to actually place an accessible path through it to enable people to go through this area and enjoy the surroundings. Mm. And like you say, it's slightly off the N11, but you wouldn't know you're right beside a motorway. That's because of the power of the trees and the sounds that, like a canopy. Mm. So one of the areas that we're always very interested in, and it's a big thing now, and obviously it's become much bigger since the pandemic, is the therapeutic aspects of plants and nature. And can I ask you both just to give me insights into, say, the therapeutic benefits of nature. And I'm talking especially about how to mind our mental health. A lot of the county councils at the moment are are putting in areas, swathes of wildflowers. And to do that, you need, obviously, to prepare an area in order to receive the wildflower seed. So there's a lot to do before it actually gets there. But once it's done and once it's done well, to walk through an area like that is magical. Not only are you visually seeing the, the most beautiful flowers and they're not always, I mean, they don't have to be in your face flowers yeah. or colours. It's the softness and the movement of the grasses and the quietness where you can actually hear the bees at work. Yeah. That's yeah. the difference between yeah. something so showy and in your face to a very quiet space, yeah. uh, like a wildflower meadow, where you can just, you're flowing with it. Yeah. You almost feel like you're flowing with it when you're yeah. walking through it. And yeah. that's, that has to be good for you. Yeah. That has yeah. to be good for you. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's lots, there's lots of uh, research for a place like UCD now here that, that's researching every day in the week. There's tons of research out there, scientific research based around the therapeutic value of plants. So plants 
are without a doubt scientifically proven to be of major benefit to humankind. I, I mean, there's, there's research there on hospitals, the recovery times of patients in hospitals. I'm not an expert on any of this, but just mm. from the point of, of reading that sort of material. Um, there's uh, school children, how mm. much more quickly they can learn. We used to have an outdoor classroom in Concealy where yeah. the, um, the students used to sit outside. The sun is beaming away and you're in the midst of nature and you're sheltered. That's all you need and you're outside and how much learning can be done. I, th- I think sometimes how much more learning can be done without a PowerPoint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which yeah, one, exactly. you know, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's, that's, very true. that's part of it. But yeah. uh, I, I teach a class every year, Gardens and Parks Supervision is called, and one part of that is about the, t- the benefits now. Some of them are financial, environmental, and then, yeah. of course, therapeutic benefits of trees in general, yeah. you know, so it's, yeah. it's a, lot, a lot of benefit. When you think back to uh, Prince Charles mm. introducing or, or trying to get us involved in Wildflower Meadows all those mm. years ago, and he was mm. laughed at. Mm. It's actually it's very true. shocking, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, and, and he's been proving. You no, know, well, he, he knew anyway, but it's yeah. been proven that it's it it, it is the it's right thing to do, and it's it's part of that whole rewilding thing yeah, as well. That's, you know, that's what I, yeah. yeah, I was going to ask you to if you could talk to us a bit about the rewilding, the rewilding initiative. Yeah, um, well, it's it's basically bringing back nature into the spaces and not being as tidy as we have been, like really clipped mown lawns using much pesticide and herbicide, not growing native trees. Now, there is an argument for putting in all sorts of trees in a garden. We have one, and Christopher will tell you about it in a minute, Hoheria sextilosa, which is in full flower at the moment. And the most, it's just a a bee magnet, you know, incredible. So, yes, you know, we need to put in native trees and we need to get off the the whole roller coaster of everything has to be so perfect. We're not perfect. So why why in God's name does the the garden or our surroundings have to be perfect? You need spaces where animals are coming back in, like pine martens, otters, you know, Mm. lots of of, foxes have nowhere to go. When you think about it now, I mean, we passed building upon building upon building on the way down from the M50 to here. New buildings. Bi- new building. New building. New building. Yeah, exactly. I saw three houses the last time I was here about a year and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now there's, an apart- there's three or four apartment blocks I on the know. same space. And yeah. all the trees and I the know. shrubs and the uh, 40, 50, 60 years of loving attention to the garden. The pond might be in the back. You know, all of that stuff is gone. So, you know, rewilding is rewilding, but it's rewilding and dewilding. There's yeah. a tremendous amount of dewilding going on mm. at the moment and very little rewilding. Rewilding... You would wonder, it, it's a major benefit, but it's being done on the back of what has been taken away. So we need to look at what's going. Yeah. And it can't first. be left to the farmers. Yeah. You know, you can't put all of that back on farmers, yeah. you know, and, the, and wanting them to put in native this and native that and wilding parts of their farms. That's fine, but we have to do our bit as well. It's not just them. Yeah. So the more concrete we, we put down, the yeah. less... We have to balance Re- it. Rewilding with, is, yeah. Is, yeah. is there. It's, it's de-wilding. As but pesticides and herbicides really... Or, or, yeah, or, it, or it's, no, it's no. to that, st- you know, yeah. they've been taken off the market in a lot of instances, but just stop being so tidy in a garden. And, you know, there aren't too many parrots in this country, so why would we not be, you know, ornamental trees from different countries are lovely. But, you know, we have we don't have parrots. We have little sparrows and little yeah, little birds exactly. that need to be looked after, you know, in our gardens. So native hedging, native trees. Beautiful, and they're beautiful in their own right. Absolutely yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, there was a, a BBC programme there last year. I just caught the last five minutes of it on the last day, but I think it had been on for three three or four. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> Typical of me. But I got the research results from it. 
at the end. And at the very end, they looked at five gardens, I think it was. I, I could be corrected on all of this now, but give or take, this is the story. They looked at five gardens in one housing estate or one estate in a sort of a leafy part of, of England. One of the gardens was as wild as the day is long. Mm. Everything was let go wild, grass all over the place, the whole shebang. Another one was not quite that bad. Another one was not quite as bad as that one. And then there was one that was absolutely pristine and there was one in between. So they, were, they ran from absolutely wild to pristine. And uh, which one do you think won? Well, it wasn't the absolutely pristine one, and you could nearly guess the that. absolutely wild. It wasn't the absolutely wild one. in between It was the one in-between. It was the okay. in-between-y okay. one. So okay. it's, it's not necessarily a matter of just letting everything go yeah. wild. Yeah. It's a matter of organising the wild a little bit yeah. so, that, uh, exactly. so that there's an aesthetic value to it, but not just an aesthetic value. There's a, an insect, there's a bird, and, and there's a, an, animal an animal value to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a human value. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Very, yeah, brilliant. I just want to ask you about the All Ireland pollinator plant. The bees. Yeah, bees. the bees. The the bees. Th- that's th- there's one of them just finished, as far as I know. So one ran from 2015 to 2021, and there's another one starting up now, 2021, 2025, I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's a collaboration of county councils. Schools, community groups, maybe tidy towns would be involved in that in terms of community groups uh, and faith communities, all of these sorts of groupings getting together and doing something extra to try and increase the biodiversity. Now, biodiversity is thrown out there like, uh, you know, snuff, snuff of the wake, but, uh, but there's, there's a necessity for a mix as yeah. Somebody said one day, actually, I, I can't remember the chap's name, he, he's since died, but he was on um, RTE and he spoke about, he was always on about bees and he was lovely to listen to uh, from County Loud or somewhere. I can't remember now, yeah. but li- lovely, yeah. lovely man to listen yeah. to Voice, and, yeah. and yeah. full of knowledge. Yeah. But he said one day, and it just struck me, and, and it's absolutely true, when you drove down to Wexford, for instance, where we would have gone, or you drove down to Cork 30, 40 years ago, you'd, you'd splatter that many insects on the front yeah. windscreen of your car and your lights mm. going down yeah. that you'd have to wipe them off when you got there. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, do no. you have to wipe anything? Not a single insect no. did I wipe off the car going down to Wexford the other day. So it's, you know, it, that's the difference. I mean, that's a very practical way of looking at it. That's yeah. the difference between 40, 50 years ago and now. Mm. So the more we can do, and that's what the pollination plan is about, it's to try and get plants that encourage, encourage insects yeah. well, not just bees bees well, are insects. one yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, they encourage all insects yeah and and anything else that will pollinate as well sure look at ivy christopher you know in the winter when there's absolutely very little in terms of for bees and that sort of thing uh, ivy flowers come in in the winter and yeah. They're such a huge source for the bees, huge, you know, so they don't have to be showy flowers. There are certain mm. flowers that are really showy and they're useless to bees mm. when you think about it. You know, mm. your, your lavenders and ivy and ivy flowers and just normal native. Um, yeah. What about uh, fuchsia? I always think of that. Yeah, fuchsia is not too bad. Fuchsia has lo- lots and lots of nectar in it, but yeah. it's a Chilean plant, so it mightn't be quite... I, 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 don't see too I many just think, bees I, around I think of that always as that's one of the, when you were when you saying about your, chi- your childhood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I remember. You remember that, yeah. But people yes. think they're Irish yeah. because they're, they're, they're all over the place. <laughs> yeah, because they're, they're in everywhere in they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, them and Crocosmia, yeah, all over the place. <laughs> yeah. But they're uh, they're not. I don't know how yeah. they got around. And they had to have seed. They must have yeah. come on a boat from Chile. But <laughs> Mar- Mary mentioned, yeah, exactly. But Mary mentioned, yeah. are on the waves maybe, but Mary mentioned a plant earlier on, Hoheria. First one flowered there, August, September time. Yeah. Now, that's... I think it's New Zealand, Hoheria is from. So it's it's nowhere near these shores. But yet, you know, and you'll hear people saying it has to be native, it must be native. 
it's full of bees. Sometimes, if it's full of bees, then it's doing its job. It's doing its job. job. You know, and if you want an ornamental garden and you don't really want it to be grass all over the place and wild and whatever, you can still have plants in it that are going to give you that biodiversity and are going to encourage bees. So this thing of just looking at buddleias, for instance, which are, you know, the butterfly um, plant, those sorts of plants. There's so much more out there now. And observation, just seeing and feeling what actually works and what it's doing a job. But sure, we put in the we put in a pond there recently. That's not a small pond by any stretch of the imagination because we had a, a little lake. Yeah, a little lake exactly. <laughs> but even a small area of water in a garden will invite plant life. Oh, and between all, all frogs, pond yeah. skaters, yeah. you know, all sorts of things. And within a week yeah. of our we putting in that pond, we got. Loads, loads of lovely of stuff. Oh, I couldn't it? believe it. Alan yeah. Titchmarsh was on and I said, ah, that's Alan now for you, telling you, oh, this invite them and they will come. And invite them and they will come. Build it and they'll come. And Fantastic. of course I said, ah, not at all. That won't happen. And it did. Two, two days, he was on about something called a diving beetle. I'd never heard of a diving beetle wow. before. I, I could have been a submarine for all I knew. Mm. But, um, but about two days after the water went into the pond, I looked in, I saw this little brown thing and it was Diving like the hammers wow. down to the bottom Fantastic. of the pond mm. and back up again really slow and diving wow. down. And yeah. it found so it. That was in two days. Yeah. Where did That's he come from? Amazing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You know? I know it's brilliant. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they do say that a pond actually is one of the best ways of getting yeah, getting wildlife nature into, into yeah. getting wildlife into a garden, a pond. It's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. I remember when I came out, Tina, to have a look at the areas in which you were, you know, this nature trail that you were mm. thinking of doing. And mm. there was that big area down the back there where loads of beautiful trees and a path going through it, but there was a pond there. That's right. And it was a more organic looking pond. So mm. in order to kind of really embrace that and get more kind of, you know, I suppose more nature into it, you have to, like, I, I noticed with the path going through that there there was no cyclamen for this time of the year. There was okay. no wildflowers underneath the canopy of the trees. Right. So really in those sort of areas, you have to, and, and oxygenating plants in the pond as well. So there has to be a balance of different plants to bring in pollinators. Your research has to be done in terms of the plants for the pond. And of course, we'll yeah. certainly help you out with that. Yeah. But there is an opportunity in the understory of around that area, underneath the trees to put in some cyclamen and snowdrops and right. the most beautiful yeah. flowers. They come yeah. and go. Crocus. They, they do their, of year, they do their own thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then that creates its own little system and then you'll get more kind of biodiversity in that sort of area and with it, it'll all grow and become a one, you know, a beautiful yeah. spot. Yeah. And it's also important that people enjoy it aesthetically, mm. that, yeah. that they exactly. feel comfortable and, yeah. and see it as something beautiful. It doesn't have to be bing, flashy yeah. but it can no, be it no, can still be no. beautiful and that's know? that's the idea as well that it's going to be a place where people feel safe quiet enjoy the smells of all the different yeah. trees yeah and I mean, see it changing see yeah. it changing the as changing the seasons, seasons go by see something coming and yeah. going I, I mentioned autumn crocus there a minute ago they're not much good i think to be honest which as pollinators or anything else they but, look but they look they fantastic look really looking yeah. and they change you know they're there for two or three weeks at this time of year and then they're gone and then you have something else coming along. So it's it's that sort of change as well from the human point of view. Yeah. That's, and then that's the, the, le- the, the, autumn l- the autumn the leaves, leaves yeah. are fabulous because as well as the sight, you know, the colours, it's the crunchy feel under your foot. Well, I, I'm, 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 mm. I'm going to give out, but um, there's a school 
that I went to as a child. And it's right beside the graveyard where my mother is buried and, and all of my family before. I used to go down there as a child, usually to funerals, but on the odd occasion to visit the graves. And uh, I'd kick my way. It's just when you mentioned it there, Tina. I'd yeah. kick my way through the leaves. And yeah. I used to love it. Crunchy yeah. leaves, yeah. kicking them up in the mm. air. You could yeah, bury yeah. yourself in them. Yeah. Yeah. I went down one day, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it, it was a, li- a line of beech trees that had been planted behind the wall yeah, on the school property. And they'd been there all of my life. So I'm 55 now, so they're there a long time. Went down, they were gone. None of the children that are in that school will ever experience that running through the in in that particular spot because the school, and this is where education is so important, because the school cut them down. So, and then they put cherry trees in. Which yeah. you know have, have don't have don't have the same gravitas at all. Well, they'll also lift and they'll also the, lift the, the wall <laughs> that they yeah. took to the other trees <laughs> down to stop right. lifting. You know, yeah. so yeah. there's there is a necessity for education. Yeah. There really Absolutely. is, and people yeah. need to be. They need to learn about. It's not that they need to, but it, they can enjoy learning yeah. about. Yeah. And don't you know? Don't have a knee jerk reaction to stuff. Yeah. Think exactly. about it. Ask somebody yeah. who knows something, yeah. and and then evaluate it all and make a yeah. decision if there is a tree that you think is doing yeah. some damage. You know. Yeah. Do you know what I? Sorry, Tina. Just for a second. Do you know what I was thinking about that pond area because it mm. is so nice. And if mm. if there was a little area, because some people go to read a book, some people go to listen to a podcast, some people go to listen to music. But what about getting your easel out and painting, yeah, you know, exactly. that scene yeah, or, yeah. you know, and that that, that in itself beautiful trees would be just so well gorgeous. Can, yeah, the grass is really yeah. soft. And just beautiful, yeah, you know, yeah. and you're giving people the There's opportunity to do that. Yeah, a lot of ducks. Lovely little animals. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dogs and ducks. <laughs> you want to watch where you're putting your feet. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. UCD is, you have students from all over, you know, from the country, from different parts of the world, as well as Dublin, you know. So, mm. you know, they're from different areas and to experience a quieter place within a campus that they can feel a little bit more secure in, I think is hugely important and hugely beneficial. If they are sitting in a space where they might think, you know, the trees and the, the beautiful plants and the noises are quieter than the, the hustle and bustle of walking through a campus. There are little areas like that. And we did point out some of them when I came out that time mm. that are much quieter and much easier for a person to lose themselves for five or ten minutes. And that, just to re-energise you or to give you a quieter perspective for that five, ten minutes and then you can move on. You, yeah. can, you can get going again. But sometimes you just need to sit down and just take stock yeah. and but feel happy and enclosed in a little space and I think that you could do I mean that's a wonderful thing for you to be doing here to create those little spaces for people that just need that five minutes out of the the manic sort of noise and there beautiful. is a Japanese which I can't remember the name of Shin Shinrin Yoko yeah and that's um, that's that, that, that idea of getting out into the into trees, into forests, into the yeah. wild, and yeah. being one with that space for yeah. a period of time. I think yeah. they sort of talk about an hour or two or whatever. Yeah. But, but it's that whole idea of of getting into a space like that and de-stressing, leaving your telephone at home. That's the one thing. If mm. you were talking to the students there earlier on, you know, if if younger people could just leave the phone away, if older people could just leave the phone away for a short while and get out into a non-electric sort of a space where they can de-stress. Hugging trees. I talk to my students about hugging trees. I'll go up to a tree and hug it when I'm bringing them on and walk about. And the odd one will look at me funny, but most of them will do it. Yeah. Mm. And they'll feel better for having done it. 
you know, and it, uh, it does help without a shadow of a doubt. It does de-stress and it's a, it's a wonderful, that connection with nature, it's a connection we've lost to a significant degree. I think children have it when they're born. They do, but it's I kind we of... we notice that with Thomas. Yeah, they have this connection to things mm. that are almost spiritual at an early age. Their minds aren't cluttered. Their eyes are wide open to all that's beautiful around them. It's, yeah. it's us that have lost I, Including that, that yeah. which is travelling in the ether. Yeah. It's yeah. distinct yeah. from that which is physical. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and this may sound a little bit dodgy, but it, but there is something, no, there is something true. there that connects us. You yeah. know, they, we all know of of mm-hmm. standing in a space and somebody's looking at us. We know mm-hmm. they're looking at us. Yeah. We don't see them looking at us. We, we don't. They it. don't tell us, yep. but we can feel it. So those things, those feelings are there. Those connections with yeah. nature are yeah. there. And I think being able to get out into a wild space like that and connect with that, that's what connects us with that, that time alone in those sorts of spaces or that time with people we, we love and care for in yeah. those sorts of spaces. Yeah. But you look at how valuable the outdoor Montessoris are. Yeah. The, you know, the nature Montessoris, the one in Kilruddery or places right, like yeah. that. Yeah. And Forest schooling. Yeah, cousin of mine, her daughter, is actually works in one and the kids just love it. Mm. They cannot get enough. And there's no such thing as bad weather. They're kitted out for yeah. all weather and <laughs> they love it. And they're learning life skills. You know, yeah. they're learning things yeah. that will... They'll, we'll get them through. They'll do some study in, in many years from now about that. Yep. And I bet you it'll be a huge benefit to kids. Yeah, no, it is. I think it's almost 30 years ago it started yeah. off in, yeah. I think it was the Denmark, Swedish uh, Probably, countries. probably. And in England and now in Ireland we have forest schools. Yeah. After school activities. Mm. So the children can do all the things that we would have done mm. much more Freely, I think, Allowed you know, dirty. running out yeah, in the muck, wellies, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. touching the leaves, trying to build things, yeah. you know. Trying to pull the odd worm in half. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all very good and very, like, really good for the kids. And yeah. I think it's an amazing gift that nature can ah, give. I think people have invested hugely in their, their own gardens, not mm. only because they've had to spend so much time there, but I also think, I mean, there was a, I just saw a brilliant ad about a guy going back to work and his child was bringing him in to the front door of work because he was terrified to go back <laughs> into work. Yeah, and yeah, I thought, yeah. that's what you know, like we've un, we've kind yeah, of forgotten, yeah. Yeah. you know, but and the cocooning of, of being in our own space, in our own garden and and looking after and seeing things that we never saw before and realising that we spend all that time in traffic when we could be spending it with our families. And I think that really hit home for people mm. and that it is important. And I think that's why a lot of people decide, oh, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to live in down the country now. I'm not living in the city where I don't need to. And now I can, can work from home. And it's, I think it's been well, hugely I think, I think a lot of people saw that they didn't have what was necessary. Yeah. Exactly. During that period yeah. of time, they yeah, had right. they had a lot of stuff like uh, an LCD, whatever television or big, uh, whatever big those car things are, big, and, yeah, whatever you know, it was, big car and all this sort of jazz. But they hadn't got the space yeah. to be able to be safe mm. in their own in their own space. Mm. And I think, and then they went to a park and it was jammed. Yeah. People <laughs> trying to, yeah. you know. So we we really need from you know planning and all of these things. We really yeah. need to be looking at that, and we need to be uh, we joined to up be, thinking. Yeah, I think. we need to be planning yeah. around nature, as distinct from how do we get it out of our way so we can put it in more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So can I just say to both of you that that was an absolutely amazing conversation. Oh, I learned Tina. loads. I'm fascinated by all the benefits and what nature can do for all of us, because I really think it, it, and you're right, I mean, COVID has, if if it's done nothing else, it's shown us an awful lot more than 
we saw, I think. It's oh, made us definitely. stop. Stopping our tracks. Yeah. And enjoy much more our surroundings. So I'm really looking forward to now working more on this accessible sensory trail in UCD. And I'd like to say a huge thank you to both of you for your time today. It was absolutely amazing and all your knowledge. And But also, I would like to finish our discussion today by asking you both, since the show is called The Blind Spot, what is your blind spot? I tell you, Tina, I thought about this a bit, right? And I reckon it's my inability to say no to people. And that's my problem. And that's the truth, right? So I then scramble around trying to fit it all in because I've said yes to everybody. Right. So I have to, I have to do what, and everybody's told me how to do this. You say, hold on till I consult and, or have a look at my diary and I'll get back to you. But my first instinct is to say, yeah, no problem. I'll do that for you. <laughs> so I reckon that's my blind spot. Okay. Well, I'm glad you didn't have that blind spot about oh, yeah, 15, right, 16 yeah. years ago. <laughs> <laughs> or I might have gotten no instead of yes. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think, so what? my blind spot, my blind spot? Mm. Ponds. Yeah, I've done, no, well, yes, in a manner of speaking, yes, um, <laughs> ponds could be part of it. I think it's projects. I, I think of... I see things uh, and I think, Jim, that's fantastic. Wouldn't that be absolutely beautiful? Or I see houses falling down around the country that have been there for 200 years and I say, wouldn't it be lovely if, if we could do something with them and we could actually bring that craftsmanship and everything else back into play? I see wild meadows in Highgrove or somewhere and I say, wouldn't that be lovely now in a field just there or there? So I'm, I'm constantly sort of bouncing around the place with these ideas and then I, I, life just isn't quite long enough to get them all done. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's very honest of both of you. Thanks, Tina. And, uh, yeah, that's, but it's... Uh, anyway, I think they're very good qualities in some ways. We're all just trying to do our little thing, aren't we? You know, what makes us happy. And uh, that's the bottom line, what makes yeah. us happy. And if it means me saying yes to everything and Christopher doing as many projects Building. as he possibly can. Yeah. Well, if we can leave cool. the place better than we found yeah. it. I think a lot of people say that, but do they yeah. mean it? I mean, if we can leave the place... I hope I mean it anyway. But uh, if we, uh, if we mm. can leave the place better than we found it the end of the day that's saying something okay so that's fantastic and once again thank you so much to both of you I've enjoyed yeah it was great thanks for listening to The Blind Spot if you enjoyed this episode please like and subscribe until next time on The Blind Spot The Blind Spot podcast was funded under the University for All Faculty Partner Programme and developed with the support of the UCD College of Business and UCD Access and Lifelong Learning